Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Midwest Mamas, just some friends finding the good in the world. I'm your host, Alexa. And I'm your other host, Melissa. This awesome music is brought to you by Aaron Moses. Go check him out. Hi everyone, we are so excited for you to join us today in our conversation with Alexandra Kirkendall. If you are not familiar with her, you will be after this conversation and you will love her just as much as we do. She was genuine and kind, and we're just so grateful that we can bring you this conversation today so that you can learn more about her. Alexandra is an author. She has written the books Loving My Actual Life, Loving My Actual Christmas, and The Artist's Daughter. Her most recent book, Loving My Actual Neighbor, just came out earlier this year, and we were so excited to talk to her just about her journey to becoming an author in her daily life. She lives in Colorado with her family, and she is also the co-host of the Open Door Sisterhood podcast, which we have both started listening to and we love. We are so thankful for Alex, and we are excited to bring you our conversation today with her. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. We are so excited for you to join us today. We have a conversation with Alexandra Kirkendall. She is an author and she lives in Colorado and we're so excited to talk with her. So Alex, for our listeners who might not know you, can you give us some background of you, just who you are and just a little bit about your life? Yeah, well, I do live in Colorado. I live in Denver with my family. I have four daughters that range in age from wow. seven to 16. Oh my yeah. goodness. Ooh. It's, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. And <laughs> Poor girl. Yeah. I, I mean, we didn't plan it. It just <laughs> <laughs> happened that way. Yeah. And now of course we can't imagine it any other way. Right. Right. And by we, I mean my husband and mm-hmm. me and my husband's name is Derek. He works for Providence Network here in Denver. Oh, they okay provide transitional housing to people coming out of homelessness. So um, usually having to do with issues of addictions and domestic violence. So his days are pretty intense. Um, He's the executive director. So he does, you know, a lot of everything and um, comes home. And then there's a lot of girls waiting for him when he gets home. Um, So we live right near downtown here in the city and our kids go to city schools. And that's a big part of our life is Mm -hmm. just the back and forth to schools every day. And when I am not driving or folding laundry, (laughs) I am trying to write books. Um, I have a new book that just came out, Loving My Actual Neighbor. And I co-host a podcast with my friend Krista Gilbert called the Open Door Sisterhood Podcast. And so both of those things take up any kind of free time that I would have. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the laundry alone for four (laughs) girls, I feel like that would take up a lot of time. I know. And the older ones, they're pretty self-sufficient just because I have zero margin to help them in that regard. And they're motivated because it's clothes, you know, so they want clean clothes. Um, But the other two, if they're the reason that the house is a disaster, I feel like between their toys and their clothes, Mm -hmm. it's it's too much. Mm Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to become an author? Did you always want to be an author or did you find something you were passionate about that you thought you needed to write about? Yeah, that's a great question because in my case, no, I did not 
want to become an author. Oh. And I still am trying to decide, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Uh, but I was on staff for a number of years with Mops International, which is Mothers of Preschoolers. It's okay. a ministry that partners with local churches to run moms groups. And they are all over the world and uh, pretty popular here in the United States. And yeah. the ministry is based here in Denver. So I worked at the main office. And because I was a mom when I started working there, I was asked a lot to write just little things about my life because, you know, the chaos of having little kids at home, mm-hmm. I could relate to our audience really well. Right. And those little things became more frequent. And then I ended up really working on kind of the communications end of the organization. And back when I was still there, they were putting out typically a book a year um, as just part of something that they offered moms, you know, a resource that moms could use. And um, that's when people were reading more books and not reading online as much. (laughs) And so we were in between presidents. Often the president had written the books in the past. And someone turned to me in a meeting and said, "Um, I think maybe you would be a great candidate to write this year's theme book. It went along with the theme for the year. And I just looked at them like, I, what? What? Because I was pregnant with my fourth child who everybody in the office knew was a surprise. So I was kind of Uh, reeling from all of that. Like, have you not paid attention to my life? And, uh, and it was just such a new concept because I hadn't really thought about ever writing a book. Um, So I went from writing a 350 word blog post essentially to then jumping and writing a 50,000 word manuscript. Wow. And I loved it. I realized that I like being able to take something and really dig deeper into it than short writing allows. Mm -hmm. And so that's really why I kind of fell in love with book writing. And it's also part of why I left Mops because I only have, as we talked about, so many hours in the day when I can work on things like this. Mm -hmm. And I realized I couldn't do the work that I was needing to do um, that mops was needing from me and write books. And so I kind of took a leap and left and, uh, and I've had three books come out since then. So loving my actual neighbor is my fourth book. Okay. And how, when you took that leap, I mean, what were the feelings there? I mean, were you excited or just all over the place? Well, I, you know, it was one of the reasons I left and there were a lot of other reasons that were all mixed up in that it really was a good time for me to go and change. And part of it was because of my family. My oldest daughter was entering middle school and I knew I had seven years left with her at home. And I, I was so stressed trying to manage four kids and working part time outside the home because I needed to be in the office sometimes. And it just, it was too much. Something needed to go. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, working for a ministry, I was essentially making about as much as childcare oh, yeah. <laughs> was costing mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So financially, it didn't end up hurting as much as had I worked in a for-profit <laughs> environment. Right. Right. Um, so that helped in that I wasn't necessarily giving up a paycheck because I was then um, not paying for childcare because I had my younger kids with me all the time. Uh-huh. Um, then I had to figure out how to write with them with me all the time. But that was another challenge. Sure, that was a huge challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I loved working for Mops. I, 
you know, I've since uh, become a little bit interested in the Enneagram. Are you familiar oh, with the Enneagram at all? Yes. Okay. I took it once, but I honestly don't remember my number. I need to go so, back and look at my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a six on the Enneagram, which is supposed to be the most common type in the United States. Oh. And it's called the loyalist. And okay. we are loyal to belief systems, but we're also loyal to people and to organizations. And I realized that part of why I loved working for MOP so much is I loved working for the greater mission, that being part of a team and working towards a common goal. And because I believed in the mission of MOP so much, right. um, it just gave me so much purpose and identity, but almost to a fault. I was starting to have my whole identity wrapped up in that work. And so that's why it was also really healthy for me to make a change. And so I was grieving, leaving that role and that identity, but I really needed to. And mm -hmm. so it, you know, it was bittersweet yeah. as yeah. so many good and hard things in life are. Gotcha. So in your book, Loving My Actual Life, you did different experiments each month. Can you talk about just what you learned from the experiment and um, the experiment in particular about to make more intentional time with people? Yeah, I, you know, this was about the same time that I was leaving MOPS. And so I realized okay. that my uh, daughter, you know, had seven years left and I wanted to be more intentional with my time with her. At the same time, I had a friend whose husband died unexpectedly, oh, and wow. he was my age at the time, you know, in his late 30s. Wow. And I realized tomorrow is not promised. Yeah. And I don't want to end my life and look back and think I wasted it yeah. doing dumb things. And, you know, there are some parts of life that just have to be done. Nobody really wants to do them or feels called to do them. I, I understand that. But in the places where we have some choice, I wanted to be making good choices. Yeah. And I also mm -hmm. didn't want to be living in the future of when and if only. Mm -hmm. If only this were different about my life, then things would be better. When this changes, then we can live the kind of life that I've been looking forward to because tomorrow is not promised. Right. And, you know, my, my dear friend, Heather, whose husband died, she was starting to look back uh, at her life and saying, when John was still here, that's when things were good. And yeah. so I just, that really uh, impacted me in a great mm -hmm. way. So I thought, okay, I'm kind of in this predicament of always saying when, and if only I bet other women are too. And in the season of really heavy parenting, at that point, my kids were probably between three and 12. Um, what small changes can I make in my daily routine that make my days more enjoyable so that yeah. when I get up in the morning, I'm looking forward to my days, but also that are just small enough that they're sustainable because yeah. so often we say, I'm going to make this huge change. And either it's so big, we don't even start or we start and it was completely unrealistic. And so we just flop and fail. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted small enough changes that they made a difference, yet small enough that I could continue them. So I decided to break up the experiment into nine different areas of my life that I thought, okay, these are areas where I know I could improve. And yeah. I think making these small changes 
would help. And because I'm a mom and I've been pregnant four times, nine months seemed like a good amount of time. Yeah. And really, let's be serious. The school year is the actual year in the calendar. And that runs about mm-hmm. nine months long. So uh-huh. I bet for most moms, nine months is really kind of a real year anyway. Yeah. So um, every month I picked a different area of my life and uh, kind of took it from there. So it uh, has continued to do really well in that people are still reading it and still telling their friends to read about it. Uh, because I think it gets to this core issue of contentment and we all want to be happy with the life we're living. And yet we all put up these barriers. And so it helps us dissect a little bit. What's keeping me from enjoying maybe not my whole life, but this one area that I'm focusing in on this month. Yeah. I like that. And I like how you did break that apart in the book. And it was just a very, easy read um and just very you got to be really vulnerable and just honest and so I feel like that is something that a lot of moms could relate to mm-hmm. and or even if you know someone's not a mom just to focus on an area each month and just like you said like not trying anything drastic or huge but just taking those little steps and what's ever personally you know for you applicable for mm-hmm. you yeah I mean I had a guy that I know tell me just last week that he listened to it on Audible. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I laughed out loud because he was not the target audience. He's (laughs) a single guy, probably around 25 years old. And he lives here in Denver. And we're on a little committee together. And he was on an airplane and he thought, oh, Alex writes books. I'll look up one of her books and listen to it on this flight. But he said, you know, I was kind of joking, like, well, I mean, did you find anything that was helpful (laughs) in the book? And he said, well, you had a chapter on health and that was really helpful. So yeah, I good. think the some of the things feel very applicable to a mom's life, like morning routine. Right. Although, I mean, morning routines, even CEOs talk about their morning routines as far as helping set them up for success right. for the day. So you can look at your morning routine, whether you're a mom or not. Just the examples in the book are definitely more mom centered. Yeah, right. So out of those monthly experiments that you did, what do you think or which one do you think was the most challenging for you? Oh, I knew going into it and it was the most challenging is home organization. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. If you could see my desk right now where I'm recording. Oh, yeah. My yeah, desk my, right now. <laughs> my microphone is like perched on the corner of the desk because the desk is such a mess. <laughs> and I... I try. I mean, I try all these tricks and I've gotten better. And really the experiment helped me um, maintain some order Mm -hmm. in spaces where there needs to be order for the greater good. Um, But I still have my few little private places that are a little bit chaotic and my desk is one of them. Um, But, you know, simple little routines like I started making my bed every day and I don't make it every day now. That would be untrue but I would say I make it 26 days out of a month and mm-hmm. uh, it just is building in intentionally little changes that are small enough that you can maintain them yet big enough that now I walk into my bedroom and mm-hmm. after I made my bed this morning I started putting clothes away and I you know you just get in this momentum of like I want this space to be orderly so right. It was the biggest challenge because I had so far to go, (laughs) but um, I did make some changes that I have continued, I will say. 
That's awesome. So, and now you have a new book out, Loving My Actual Neighbor. So what Mm -hmm. would you say is the takeaway from your new book? Well, you know, we live in a very interesting time in that we can open our phones or our computers Mm -hmm. and see what our neighbor is making for dinner without having talked to them for six months. Yeah. Right. If we're friends Mm -hmm. with them on Facebook or we follow them on Instagram, we have access to details of their lives without really ever having to interact with them personally. Yeah. And I think that we are losing the art of small talk, the art of being a little bit uncomfortable and having awkward pauses in conversation, the art of having a conversation with someone that you know you disagree with Mm -hmm. on things that you hold pretty dear. And, you know, the political climate is moving in on our personal interactions. So if we're talking about our actual neighbors, for example, Mm -hmm. right now we're getting ready in Denver for a local election. Okay. We are um, voting in mayor and city council members. And mm-hmm. um, so I can walk around my neighborhood and know who people are voting for <laughs> without yeah. ever having talked to them. And right. so because we are getting out of practice, we are um, becoming more intimidated by the idea of being in maybe not best friend relationships, but I don't want to say superficial, but more casual relationships with people uh-huh. who think and live differently than we do. Yeah. And so really my intent in the book is to give people tools, just like in loving my actual life, things you can try in your daily life that aren't huge, but are small enough that if you do them often, they will start to make a cumulative difference in how to push through some of the uncomfortable that we are starting to lose um, our ability to do. And so things like asking questions to learn, and that doesn't mean asking questions to make a point or asking Mm -hmm. questions to catch someone, but truly Mm -hmm. to learn about our neighbors who we may already know, Mm -hmm. think and live differently than we do. But um, it's things like that, that I think if we do them, these little tiny things over and over, they will start to have a cumulative difference, not just in our own lives, but then in our neighborhoods and that's going to impact our communities. And there's this ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that it is time. (laughs) It's time for us to put some of these practices into place. Yep. Well, and I think, Yeah. And I like that. Just like start with asking questions. Like it doesn't have to be some grand gesture, but just taking that step to put down your phone too, and just walking and Mm -hmm. talking, you know, to Mm -hmm. people that you live right next to. And I think that's really important to model for our children too, you know, like just being open and um, yeah, just having, like you said, like not just that casual relationship, but being intentional to dig deeper when I feel like with technology nowadays, it's so easy to just text someone, email yeah. someone, just look them up on Facebook or Instagram, and you don't have that personal relationship anymore. So it's neat to get back to that. Right. And I will say, if it feels like too much to someone, if you want to start by texting them, great. 
if you're not texting them already. Like, let's make little steps that move in that direction. But the goal is face-to-face interaction because that is what we are losing culturally because of technology. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we can spend more time, I I know I can, communicating with people who live on the other side of the country because of technology, which is a gift that technology offers us, than we do with our people that live within arm's reach. Mm-hmm. And that's the drawback. And so with everything in this world, there is usually good and hard. And so we want to push through the hard in order to not have it overcome the good that technology offers. Right. And, you know, I am a person of faith and I I think about the fact that God came as a person in Jesus to give us information because he knew we would pay more attention, you know, if, Mm -hmm. if we heard it from him out straight out of his mouth, but also because there is this power that we read in all of these stories in scripture of him being in people's presence, that being in someone's presence where you can hug them you can wipe their tears, you can give them a high five, you can shake their hand, you can feed them and meet their physical needs, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can give them a blanket, whatever it is, that tangible love is irreplaceable. You really Mm -hmm. can't match that. And so that is my goal is to push people back toward, and maybe it's not something that's that intimate. Maybe it's just simply a handshake and looking someone in the eye when you're having conversation, but it matters. If it didn't matter, God would not have chosen to come that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So you and your friend, uh, Krista Gilbert, you started a podcast. So can Mm -hmm. you share with um, our listeners about what your podcast is about and, you know, what you focus on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are called the Open Door Sisterhood Podcast, Okay. <laughs> and it is a sisterhood, as yeah. the name indicates. Love it. And we really want to encourage women, especially women of Christian faith, to walk through the doors that God is opening for them. We say, take that next step, do that hard thing, be a world changer for good right where you are. And my books stem from this idea that small changes in our lives can have ripple effects that change the world. And God gives us opportunities every day to uh, say yes to him, to say yes to loving our neighbor, to say yes to eating a more healthy breakfast, to say yes to be kind when we're grumpy. And so it's all of these small choices that we can make. So we, uh, in, in the podcast, we highlight women who are world changers for good, right where they are. And we also cover some topics that we think are important to our audience. So our audience is mostly Christian women who are married with kids still at home. A lot of them have um, teenagers or college age kids, um, but they are wanting to know how to be world changers for good, right where they are, especially because Maybe their kids don't need them in the same way that they've needed them in years past. And so they have a little more time and they want to still feel like they have purpose because Mm -hmm. God gives us purpose in every stage of life. So, you know, that's kind of a generalization of our listeners, but um, that's who is listening. And it stemmed the podcast stemmed out of a mastermind year that Krista and I put on 
where we, um, this is an invitation only group and we don't mean it to be exclusive. It's just that we know the kind of women who um, would benefit from being part of the particular mastermind that we run. And we bring a group of women together every year and work through a curriculum and have a five day retreat together. Wow! And we just can't do that over and over. It's not something that we can multiply easily. And so we thought, how do we bring this same sense of cheering each other on and really being for each other as Christian women to a larger audience? And the podcast is how we came to that. So that's why we started the podcast really was because we couldn't duplicate the retreat, but we wanted to still have this um, idea of problem solving and uh, mutual cheerleading that cool. uh, that we can offer. Yeah. That is cool. Well, I'm going to check it out. I yeah. can't wait to listen to it. So what are some books or authors that you're really enjoying right now in the season of your life? Well, you know, I wish I, I actually had more time to read. And, you know, yeah. that I sh- even as I say that, I'm like, that's dumb. I shouldn't say that because no, no, I, that's life sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't choose to use my time that way. Yes. You know what I try to tell my yep. kids, like everything's a choice. I don't yeah. choose to use my time to read a lot. And so um, I am a little bit uh, selective about whose voices I'm paying attention to because I don't have a lot of extra time. So um, I love Shannon Martin and I think you guys had her on the podcast. She's so nice. Yes. So um, I would say if you just want a daily dose of inspiration, follow her on Instagram Mm -hmm. because her Instagram feed, you know, we cover a lot of the same stuff, um, but her Instagram feed to me personally is so inspiring. She's, just my faith. And um, I also like following Lisa Whittle on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know her? She has a yeah. podcast too called, well, she just changed the name. So I, actually oh, I didn't know, know she had a podcast. Is. Yeah. It's a short one, which is nice because that is nice. it's, you know, <laughs> I have a podcast that's really long, so I understand, but it's also more frequent. Um, I think it, she might do it five days a week now. Oh my know. gosh. But it's only five minutes, I think. Oh, okay. um, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. So it used to be called, I don't know, it's five minutes something, but I think she changed (laughs) the name. So I I shouldn't say what it's called. And then, um, you know, Emily Freeman had a book that came out the same day that mine did. Yes. I saw Uh, that on your guys' posts. Yes. The Next Right Thing. And so that's on my to read list because I have not read it yet. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to reading that. And then another book that came out that same day, because it was a very busy day. Yeah. Um, a dear friend of mine, Kate Merrick, wrote a book called Here Now. Oh, and okay. I would say if people are struggling at all with technology and this idea of presence, this is the book uh, really that deals specifically with that. Okay. Um, and so it's called Here Now? Here Now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's about being present with people, but she really did some radical things in her own life to strip things away. And again, it was kind of like that wake up call that I had with my friend's husband, except that it was her own daughter. Oh, wow. Her eight year old daughter died about um, six years ago. 
And she wrote a book about that, her first book, but this is her second book. And it does talk about um, the time when Daisy was in the hospital and really sick and just how they decided these are the most important days of our lives right now to Mm -hmm. be with her because she may not be here next year. And, you know, when you live that way, things become crystal clear really fast Mm -hmm. about what's important about being with someone. And Kate made some radical moves and just put her phone down and really hasn't picked it up (laughs) since. So that sounds like a definite must read for a lot of people, I'm sure. I would I would recommend that book. Um, I I just love it so much. Okay, well, thank you for sharing all those. Adam, I have an ongoing document of books I want to read. But since we're teachers, I'm like, these will be books in the summer (laughs) when I have a little more time. So what is what like in the busyness of your life and with your four daughters and writing books and your podcast, what's one thing or just a few things you do to take care of you just to self care? Yeah, well, I will say in the whole loving my actual life thing, probably one of the chapters that had the most impact on me personally was the physical health. Yeah, because as a mom, you know, you make your kids uh, pediatrician appointments a priority. Yep. You you keep them on track. But I had whole years where I was either pregnant or breastfeeding and my body didn't feel like my own. Mm-hmm. But then I would be like kind of coming back and then I and then it would happen again. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, really, I was either pregnant or nursing for 10 years oh my and gosh. or more, really. Yeah, that's um, a long time. Almost 11 years. So it um it was time for me to pay attention. And the other thing was I was approaching 40 when I wrote that book and that just felt like a really big milestone. And I knew there are some things about my body that are just never going to be the same. So part of that month was really coming to peace with that yeah. <laughs> and recognizing, you know, I'm just not going to have the body I had 20 years ago. And yeah, <laughs> that is okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because tomorrow is not promised, I want to take good care of my body so that if I have any say in this, that I'm making some good choices. So exercise has been something that has really become more of a routine for me the last few years. And the thing, the program that I use is called Revelation Wellness. And they have a podcast. I don't do the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, but they, and I know some people who just use the podcast as kind of a workout companion, Uh, but they have videos. (laughs) And I am a big proponent of working out at home because you can then fit in when it works. Yep, absolutely. I I would love to go to a class and do that. And there is no way that I can commit to being at a certain place at a certain time on a certain day of the week Mm -hmm. with the schedule that I have right now with my family. But I, if I can put in half an hour and fit it in when I can fit it in during the day, it just is much more likely to happen. So Revelation Wellness is one of the things that really helps me take care of me. Okay. I'm going to look that up because uh-huh. that's something that I definitely, you know, struggle with. Like like you said, you put your kids first and you make sure that they are getting, you know, nutrition and their appointments. And then at the end of the day, I'm just like, I'm exhausted. But it's something, you know, like you said, like, it's so important to take care of your body. And tomorrow's never a guarantee. And 
um, you know, like you, and I know you mentioned in your book, just that taking care of your body helps, you know, complete your part of God's work. And I think that's so true, like that he gave us these bodies and we need to take care of them. Yeah. And I have found that I feel stress less in my Mm -hmm. body when, after I exercise Yeah, and I have more energy. So it's like a double bonus, right? Not only do I not feel worse, it's a double negative, but I, I also feel better. And so it just fuels me to do the things that I really care about. And it gives me more clarity of mind because I use my mind in my work. You know, I need to be semi articulate. Mm -hmm. And so it just prepares me to do the things that I really love to do. And so that's really what motivates me because for years I tried to just do it because I was supposed to, and it wasn't working. But when I realized this, this makes me feel better prepared. And again, there is a faith element to this workout Mm -hmm. regimen. So they read scripture at the beginning. They're reminding Uh me that I am not doing this to have the perfect abs. I'm doing it to be able to carry out God's work in the world. That to me is more motivating than trying to be able to squeeze back into the pants that I could fit in in middle Mm -hmm. school. Yep. Yeah. Preach. Mm. Okay. (laughs) So, so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, I, uh, use an app called team snap. Have you ever heard of that? No. So it's so much from you. (laughs) (laughs) It is an app and probably moms of kids in sports may know this. Okay. It is a sports app. Although (laughs) some, uh, I think other teams are starting to use it like, you know, work teams and stuff in the workplace, but it is a way for teams to communicate with each other. And, I have four children who play sports. And mm-hmm. can I just tell you that it is cray cray. I'm yeah, sure. and, no, I can't even imagine. So, and my older girls, now I will say, now that my oldest is in high school and she's primarily playing high school sports, so much better because okay. I don't actually have to take her to sports. She stays okay. after school. That's yeah. Right. yeah. And now she drives. <laughs> yes. And now she drives. So that's just new within the last few months that oh, she's nice. had access to a third car for our family that she can use. So, um, so that definitely helps. But team snap is, it keeps track of all of the practices, practice changes, messages, field changes, weather. I mean, it just saves my life Okay. when it comes to sports life management. Good Hmm. idea. That is. Yeah. And it's a Colorado company. So I'm always trying to tell people about it because it's, it started here by some other crazy Colorado parents who were like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So (laughs) at least that's what I picture them saying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alex, we have just loved talking with you this afternoon, and we um, just want to share your outlook on life because it's so positive, and you yeah. are so such an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Can you let our listeners know where they can find your books and where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, well, all of my books are available on Amazon, so it's pretty easy. Yep. Just, you have to figure out. Oh, well, I guess you can look by title too, but spelling my last name can be a little bit tricky, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can um, search for them by title and then you'll find them all. And um, then finding me, I'm pretty much on most of the social media channels, except Pinterest. 
You guys, mm. I just can't get into Pinterest. I know. It gets I overwhelming. Just, <laughs> I just, I've never been able to. So um, my website is my name, alexandrakirkendall.com. Okay. And it links to all of my social media there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for talking with us today and just sharing your insights. And that's definitely your new book, Loving My Actual Neighbor. I can't wait to read that and listen to your podcast and Lisa Whittle. I feel like you have so many different in the wellness podcast, like I get some motivation for all of my (laughs) life. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. Take care. We loved talking with Alex on her journey of becoming an author and her outlook on life. If you would like to get to know Alex a little more, please visit her website at alexandrakirkendall.com where she writes her blog and gives more information about her books. Please check out her podcast, The Open Door Sisterhood Podcast as well. We appreciate you all listening to our conversation and like always, please subscribe below. Bye.